going to sing. Uh, you're just going to listen to them play for a little while. You wish you could listen to them sing. But when John wrote, Lennon wrote the song that the Beatles would sing in 1968 called Revolution, 52 years ago, what was going through his mind that came down through the pen, that came through the lyrics is this. He realized that the world needed some social justice awareness. The world also needed to not riot in the streets as far as that was going. Not a lot has changed necessarily in 50 some years. Now, as we study what the Word of God says about Jesus being revolutionary in our lives, we wind up thinking of, of current revolutions. And in our country, in 1776, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, there were 56 individuals that signed the Declaration of Independence. And the opening lines are incredible as they say, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all are created equal and are, have these certain inalienable rights that among them being life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And around the globe, there have been all kinds of political revolutions that have taken place. They're fascinating to look at. But God has something fascinating for you, my friend. God has a transformative revolution that God wants to do in your life, in your spirit. We get to dig into God's Word and discover that today. You're fantastic. Thank you, man, so much. Can we thank the man for leading us in that way? All right. Rise to your feet, if you would. We're going to go and have a time of prayer. God, thank you so much that you're in this moment. Thank you as we look into your Word that we have an opportunity to see how you will revolutionize our lives. We can't wait for, for what you have for us. Our minds and hearts and spirits are open to your word. In your name, amen. Thanks. Go ahead and have a seat. Well, last week, it's not quite as snappy without the music, but it's going to be all right, okay? Uh, last week, we learned Jesus being revolutionary in our midst wants to establish that Jesus is king, and that is incredibly important. Uh, Today, we are going to dive into the gospel of Luke, and we realize that there is gospel for all. God does not want to leave anyone out in the pursuit of making known that he is king of kings and lord of lords and is available to every person. And the book of Luke starts in this fashion. It starts in the very first chapter. I'm going to read the third verse. I, too, decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Who in the world is Theophilus? Who's Theophilus? And, and it goes on to say that you might know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Uh, Luke is this amazing historian. He's a doctor. He's interviewed all kinds of eyewitnesses. He has an incredible gospel account of who Jesus is. Uh, theos means God. Phileo means Friend, well, it means love, but it means friendship love. It is this person who is a deep friend of God. So I begin to wonder, is this an actual person? Which it probably is. But at the same time, in God's goodness, God is saying, hey, Theophilus, you, you're a deep friend who is in love with God. This is the word of God for you. So as you hear the word of God today, receive it as one who is that you're Theophilus, that you are the one who is deeply in love with God. And God wants you to know this. Um, there's a, even a couple of times, just to, there, there's, there's stuff with this, but in Acts 24 and Acts 25, and Luke writes 
Acts as well. He references two individuals as most excellent. They happen to be bigwigs in the Roman government. One's named Felix and one is named Festus. So there's a high likelihood that Theophilus is a bigwig somewhere in the Roman government and uh, you're a bigwig yourself as far as that goes. And God wants this word to be known to you. Now, if we're studying the gospel of Luke and want to say, what, what does this have to say for us? If we go to Luke chapter 15, which is where we're going to go, and we study this, it is the essence and core of what we need to understand in regards to there being gospel for all. Uh, now, I'm, I've got a Bible in my hand, and this is a Bible that you could have in your hand. If you need a Bible, we are wanting to definitively take a step forward to say that the Bible is so important for your life. We want you to be incredibly biblically literate. We want you to just resound in your love for the Word of God that we upped our game and we got nice Bibles. The Bible I have could be yours if you need a Bible. You can just grab it for the day. Anytime you come in, uh, if you've got your Bible with you, what I encourage, lo open up to Luke 15. I'm going to go through it. But God, God may well have something for you outside of what I'm saying. And it, when, when the Word of God is open, God's Holy Spirit can speak to you in that capacity. And if you need one to take one with you, this is your gift. You're welcome to it. They're all around. Uh, if you're online, you're going to have to write us and, uh, or email us, text us. We will send you one as well. And it says this. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were gathering to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees Teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Okay, go back to your teen years, or some of you, you're in your teen years, all right? And your parents go, so who are you with? And I would, I would reckon that there was a time when your folks asked you, who are you with? That you told them some of the people you were with, but you didn't tell them all the people you were with. Because there were some of the people that, that all right, good, 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 you were with them. But, uh, but you didn't mention a certain couple of people because they were kind of rascals and nerdy wells and you didn't want to be known to be running with them and some of you go I was the rascal I was the nerdy well that people never admitted I was running with them don't elbow the person next to you uh, at this time uh, judge not lest ye be judged uh, anyway uh, so that's what's going down Jesus is hanging with people that other people don't know if he should be hanging with and so Jesus tells them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one and uh, doesn't, does he not leave the 99 in the open country, go after the sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully places it upon his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there's gonna be more rejoicing in heaven over one who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Ba, 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 we're counting sheep. 99 rats. Count them again. 99 fooey, supposed to have 100. One more time, 99. All right, we're going. We're gonna go, we're gonna go get that lost sheep. I want you to think about something that you've lost at some point in time that was significant for you. I'm gonna show you my baseball cards. In my middle teen years, I was about 15 years old, I lost these two baseball cards. A 1964 Mickey Mantle, a 1954 Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron, it's his rookie card. Uh, they're worth a lot of money now. They were worth money back then. They've since gone to help uh, in, in a church building project uh, from, from years gone by. Uh, 
but I lost them when I was 15 years old. And when I think of something that I lost, that I felt this deep ache in my gut, and as a teenage boy, just began to cry. It was like these silly baseball cards. I want you to think about something you've lost, and you felt it deeply. All right. Probably more important than baseball cards, whatever it was. All right. Good. Hang on to that. Now, you're going to think about this. When was the time you were lost? Ooh. When was the time that you were lost? And maybe you were lost in a shopping center at some point in time. Maybe you were lost on a hike sometime. Maybe they left you on a field trip. And uh, uh, I think uh, Pastor Josh, on one occasion, many years ago, we came back from uh, a, a trip not far in Grand Rapids, and one student, they'd counted, and then he laid down on a bench and went to sleep after a lock-in at Grace Christian University, and they had to circle back and go get him. And then, uh, then his call to the students was, you better stick with me. I've left, you, I've left him before, and I'll leave you again if you need me. And that was just really just a warning just to make sure that uh, they stuck with him. But when was the time you were in the car, maybe you're on a mission trip, you're in an airport, and you're scared. You don't know if you're getting back home again. See, I've, uh, I've gone through this passage of Scripture so many times. And I know how to teach it. It's been formative. Luke 15 has been formative for my life. When I'm on my game and my walk with the Lord, I just live this out. But if I'm not careful, you just kind of go through the motions of it. You know what that's like, don't you? I don't want us to go through the motions. So for some of this, you're going to hear this as this is going to be fresh and alive. But if you've been a Sunday school kid, hooray for you. Uh, I kind of say hooray for the non-Sunday school kids because this may well be very fresh and they just step in. But if you've heard this before, you know where this goes. It ain't going to surprise you. It's the same teaching. But it's not just what we know up here. This thing is meant to be experienced. What did it feel like when you lost something you cared about? And what does it feel like to be lost from home? There's a repetition of three concepts in the three parables that Jesus teaches in Luke 15. Something's lost. There's an all-out search. There's a celebration when it's found. And this repeats itself again and again. Well, in my mid-20s, I was on a town bar league basketball team. A buddy of mine asked me to jump in on this team, and I jumped in on this team, and we wound up being pretty good. It was fun to play with them. It was uh, my, my first year to play with this team, and great. And I'm a new pastor in this community in Wisconsin, and now Easter's coming on, and it dawns on me, hey, I should invite the guys on my basketball team to Easter. It's just been a few weeks since the basketball season wrapped up, and I should invite them. 
And then I started thinking of names. Now, mind you, this is before there's a thing called the internet. And there's old-timey things called phone books that you opened up to find addresses if you can hearken back to that day and age. And I go, okay, there's uh, Wogues and Grades and Rudy and uh, Inky and Goose. Those weren't their names. I, 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 it didn't dawn on me that for 12 Weeks I'd been playing basketball with these guys and I actually knew none of their formal names. I just called them what everybody else called them and I had no finding out or making an invitation of who these individuals were. And so I had to search and dig and, and, and just hang out where I thought they worked to go, hey, maybe you'd want to come and meet with us for church on Easter Sunday. And I will tell you this, that through the years, those individuals would say yes to Jesus Christ. They would be baptized. We would dedicate their children. For some of them, I would serve as the pastor as they, as they shared their vows of covenant with their wives and, and dedicated children. It was just, it was this peace that God allowed me to be blessed with that my friends on my basketball team would say yes to Jesus. Now, one of these guys... Had a lot of personality, and his name was Inky. Uh, wasn't his real name, but that's just what we called him. And Inky was a, a bit of a. Everybody loved Inky. Everybody knew Inky, but Inky had these walls up. Inky worked at a place called the Quick Trip. It's the best place in that community that you can go get gas and donuts and cheap roller hot dogs and all that kind of good stuff. It was, and they were all over the. They were just all over the place. And Inky worked at one of these, but it was 15 minutes from my house when there's one, five minutes from my house, seven minutes, from, they're all over. And so in the sense of doing strategic shopping, I would, so my quick trip was Inky's quick trip. It's the 15 minute away quick trip. And for years, that would be the one I would go to because maybe I get to talk to Inky. Inky said yes to Jesus. Um, by the way, when you send a Christmas card to Inky, all you have to do is say Inky, put the name of the town, the zip code, just go somewhere in Holman, and it goes to him. That's, uh, that's how well known that guy is. I, I get a kick out of doing that. There's the second image of a woman who hunts for a lost coin. And Jesus says, suppose there's a gal who's got 10 silver coins and she loses one, will she not light a lamp? Will she not sweep the house? Will she not search carefully until she finds it? Do you, do, do you get the sense there's a lot of work that goes on in the search? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors and they, oh, they rejoice. I found my lost coin. In the same way, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. Now, here's what scholars say about that lost coin. It is most likely part of a headdress that's part of a dowry in regards to this woman's life. And you don't lose that coin unless it's a family decision that we're going to use one of these if we get into a tight spot. And so there was kind of social honor and reputation and all kinds of things. It wasn't just a little bit of something, something put away. This was, everybody would have gone, oh my stars, you lost one of your dowry coins. It was a big, big deal. 
Well, years ago, Lori Bond wrote a song called Coins in His Pocket. And it references these three parables that we're studying, and specifically the woman who searched carefully in the house for her lost coin. Her daughter Grace had some little coin, and she lost it, and she pestered the family until they searched and searched and searched and found this little lost coin. And it comes to mind that it's very much like the parable. It just seemed outrageous that we went to this much trouble to find that stupid penny. Well, as that song has been sung in my midst in a variety of times, I'm ruined to finding lost change in the car, on the floor, just wherever it is. I equate a lost penny with a lost person, and they are valuable. The things that we think aren't all that important, people are the most important thing to God, and they need to be important to us, and so that's clicked in my mind. So as it goes, you may well have gone to visit someone who's a friend in an in a incarcerated situation. I'm visiting a young man in the Ottawa County Jail. And he's played on a basketball team that I have coached. And with these young men, there's just a variety of things that goes on. A lot of things you celebrate in their life. And a lot of things as they get older, you go, oh, my stars, what trouble did you get yourself into now? But, you know, taking them to job interviews and college pieces and just whatever, you know, as a coach in their lives or sometimes you, you just step up into those moments. And sometimes stepping up into those moments means I'm going to go see you when you get locked up for doing something kind of stupid. So that's what I'm doing. And you go through all the rigmarole to get in, and it's, you know, it's not fun being incarcerated. It's not fun visiting somebody incarcerated either. I'm sitting here waiting for somebody. I'm kind of behind all these enclosed doors. Took a while to get there. And I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. 20 minutes I'm waiting. And my attitude is poor. I don't want to be there. I'm not feeling great about the young man. What do you do? What's going on with you now? You know, that kind of thing. And I look over on the floor. Oh, Lord, help me. Help me get through this. I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm not the one. I get to walk out of there. And there's a penny, a dirty penny on the floor. I'd not noticed it. I'd been in that little room for 20 minutes, and I hadn't noticed it. So I was there the whole time, and my eyes were blinded, or God dropped it out of the sky and goes, Hey, doofus, look at the penny. And I picked it up. And my spirit turned to go, God, I am privileged to talk to this young man that you love so deeply, that you have placed so much potential, that he just needs your favor and your direction. You need to light his path one step at a time, and I believe great things for him. Lord, you're searching for his heart. And you were putting me in a position, in an opportunity, just to share a little bit of the love of God in his life. Lord, don't let me miss the moment to tell him that God loves him and I love him too. And he troops and I got to hold that penny for about another 20 minutes before the guard brought him up and we had this phenomenal conversation. His heart was already encouraged by things God was doing He's out and about shortly after that. 
And the thing that I began to pray for that young man is somebody needs to give him a break. Somebody needs to give him favor. Somebody just needs to give him opportunity. And it was just a handful of years later that he said, hey, Jim, come. I want you to see me at my new job. I'm the director of distribution at this Apple Orchard warehouse. And and I went there and I met the individual that ran the warehouse, I read the president of the company, and they were all aglow about the great work that this young man did. And my friend said to me, Jim, these are the guys you were praying about. These are the guys that gave me a chance. These are the guys that gave me favor. These are the guys that gave me opportunity. I don't know who it is in your life, but I need to be reminded I need to be reminded that lost people matter to God. And sometimes God wants to do what God is gonna do, but he needs some voice. He needs somebody just to go, God loves you and so do I. And I'm praying for you and I'm believing in you. And I know you've got some somebodies as well in that kind of situation. And then this third parable kicks in. There's a man who's got two sons and the younger One says, uh, Dad, give me my father's share of the estate. And so he divides the property. And so the older son would have a a double portion. It's a one-third, two-thirds kind of share, but they really cash out, and he walks out with a third of the estate, and he squanders it in a distant land, wild living, parties hard. It's gone. And then when it's gone, those who surrounded him, they're gone. He goes and finds work as best he can. He's feeding pigs as a Jewish young man, and pigs are, uh, it is a very dishonorable job, and he's longing to eat the things that the pigs are longing, and then he realizes that the servants in my father's household have it even better than I have. What in the world am I doing here? And he begins on a journey to go back home with this repentant spirit, and he is rehearsing to himself, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Would you take me back as one of your hired individuals? And God rests upon him and gives him incredible, incredible mercy. He runs towards him and he says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. They're gonna mark him and identify him as one who's a son again. We're gonna have a barbecue. We're going to have a barbecue. We're going to bring the fattened calf and, and we're going to kill that. We're going to have a feast and we've got to celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and it's found. And so the pattern repeats itself. Something is lost. Something is found. There is great rejoicing. We have three challenges to share today. The first is this. Before 2020 is up, will you share your faith with someone? One time, one person, one sharing. Tell your story. Tell them God loves them and you do too. Just tell them, tell them whatever the Holy Spirit puts on your heart. But but you will be intentional to pray for that opportunity. And I believe you're seeing a number on, on the screen now where you can text. And all you do is text 2020 to this number. And we're not going to harass you or anything, but we'll give you, we'll say, hey, thanks for, thanks for getting ready to share. We'll send you an encouraging scripture now and again. And as God's spirit 
opens that door of opportunity. You can go to the website, you can go to next steps, you go to share, and you can tell how it went as you shared your faith, as you share your story, as you share the love of God. Last weekend, we had 30 individuals. I think we're just kind of warming up and getting ready to this. 30 is a decent start. We're gonna have wildly more than that. And so you can write the number down, you can text it in this moment, but we can't wait to see what God is going to do in you and through you because there is gospel for all. It was a couple Christmases ago. My wife Terry teaches kindergarten and as it goes, little kindergartners like to give their teachers these little gifts. So a lot of times there's little gift cards. And a little gift card to Starbucks, a little gift card to Tim Hortons and to Target and all that. And so she had a pretty generous class and she had a pretty good haul and she had those in an envelope. Now, the signal in our family when Terry cleans out her purse, she just throws stuff in the side panel compartment of the car. One day I brought... Uh, something into her at school and I uh, cleaned out what she had already cleaned out and I threw everything away in that side panel in the car. And she discovers that I have thrown away all her Christmas gift cards from her students. She is not a happy camper. It is not fun finding a non-happy kindergarten teacher. You think they're happy. Oh, they're not happy all the time. Oh, no, no, no. Throw away their gift cards at Christmas time, and it's, you got another thing coming your direction than, than happy, happy songs and, and fun stuff right there. Tell you what. Um, <laughs> so we discovered this when we were at Tim Hortons when we thought she had a Tim Hortons card, and we go, oh, yeah, I threw those away at the outside trash container at your school. She rolls up her sleeves. We go home. She puts a headlamp on her head. We are dumpster diving. She's a very attractive person. This is not a good look for her. She's got a light on her head. She's geared up. She means business. Those kids gave her those gifts and we're going to find him. And we walk up to that trash receptacle, and lo and behold, headlamp right down in there, and we see an envelope with her name on it. We go, they're right there. Score. There was much rejoicing. <laughs> Something was lost of great value. There was a search, and there was great rejoicing. Maybe you're hearing this and the challenge for you, you need to know that your God searches for you. That the very Son of God would lay aside his divinity and wrap himself in human flesh. Not God's best look. He'd do it for you. Because he intends to write your name in the Lamb's book of life. He will go dumpster diving for you time and time and time again. You matter to God. And in this moment, in these closing moments here, what you need to do is you need to say, God, forgive me. I want to follow you. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising again. You are the king of all. Be king of me.
Don't miss that moment. Today's your day to do that. Lord, be with those who are responding to you now, who are saying yes to your mercy and grace and to your forgiveness that lost sheep are coming home in your name. I want to give you one other challenge, and this is exciting. This is what we collectively get to do together. You're going to hear more about this in upcoming weeks. But collectively together, we are going to begin a worship service in Walker, Northwest Grand Rapids. Our hopes are going to be that this, in time, will be a full-fledged campus, and we believe that that is going to take place. And God has given us incredible favor that we're going to be at the Walker Charter Academy to do this. We just found the place. We've been targeting this section of West Michigan for, the, for a long, long while. Pastor Chris is going to be the campus pastor there. He is going to lead that. We're going to have live worship there. And Chris, why don't you come up and uh, I want, there's another map I want everybody to see. We're going to wind up having some vision nights and with these vision nights, you can come and we can tell you more, but there's, there's a really interesting map that they're looking at. Why don't you talk yeah, us through this? Thank you, Jim. So, yeah, we, uh, we've been praying about this for almost a year now. God really started laying it on our hearts that we need to do this. And, and at that time, I wasn't sure what that meant or where that meant. Did a lot of prayer drives. And really, the, the Walker area, the northwest side of Grand Rapids, was really what my heart kind of started to beat for. And this map that, that Jim is referencing, it, it's kind of tough to tell on the screen, but basically you see where Allendale is there, and that star is kind of where we are. And there's a blue line. What I did is I, I made a dot to dot. <laughs> I took Google Maps and went 15 minutes out and made a bunch of dots and then made a big circle. And that's 15 minutes. So that, that circle represents a 15-minute drive. Basically, if you're going to church, most people are driving 15 minutes. That's, that's pretty average. Um, and I thought, okay, well, what if we wind up somewhere in that Walker three-mile area? Well, that's what that other star, the red, is. And that, ma that uh, big, strange-looking blob there is a 15-minute drive. Notice how far that reaches. Think about how many people are in that zone. And, and my heart just began to get excited about the possibilities. We say here all the time the most important person is the one not in the room. Well, there's a lot of people in that zone that are not in a room, that are not in a worship setting, that are not uh, been invited into the kingdom of God. And I just can't wait for us to, to take a step forward and, and be in that zone and think about, like, maybe you know people in that area that you can then invite to that, that space and that campus and that, that's, that service. So, yeah. We'll tell you more. Can we praise God for that? That's, we're going to give you that part right now. And I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to give you a challenge. It's a scriptural challenge. We haven't finished that last parable. In that final parable, there's another brother. And this is your challenge because if I'm not careful, and I think if we're not careful, this is where we wind up in the parable. What's all the celebration? What's all the noise going on? Oh, the brother who was lost is found. Your dad's warmly embraced him. Brought him in, killed, put a robe on him, put the ring on him, kill, killed the fattened calf. It's a barbecue, it's a celebration. He won't go inside. His father comes out to him. His father comes out to him and he explains, My son, as he is bitter for all the things that he thought he should get, he says, Everything that I have is yours. 
and it's there for the asking. But this son of mine who was lost is now found. He was dead, and he is alive again. We got to celebrate. When God calls you in, the ultimate goal is so that you get to participate in the celebration, that we get to participate in the activity that lost people matter to God, that we get to participate in the activity of reckless, intentional search, that we get to participate in the joy and celebration of welcoming home those who God deeply loves. Oh, dear Theophilus, will you join in? Lord God Almighty, thank you so much for who you are and for all that you do. We ask that you would work and move in every heart and in every life right now in a way that only you can. Lord, we give you our hopes and dreams and ask that you continue to guide us to, Lord, move and flow in us as only your spirit can. In your mighty name. Lord, and thank you for finding us. Help us to search with you. In your mighty name, amen.